Post podcast. I am your host, Aaron Pym, and I am an erotic writer as well as the producer of the live stage show Bed Post. Here at the Bed Post podcast, I invite past guests and performers from the stage show to indulge me in a more in depth conversation about sex and sexuality. This week, we have actor, writer, and I'm going to call her a sex work advocate. Her name is Andrea Warehun. Welcome! What up? Girl, what, what? What up, world? What up, podcast world? Welcome to my voice. <laughs> this is my voice. Reminds me of, uh, are you in a drag at all? Informally, yes. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I'm a connoisseur of drag. And uh, James St. James, who's like a veteran drag queen, he has a YouTube channel where drag queens come on and just make him up, like do his <gasps> do makeup on him. That's so sweet. And he interviews them as it's happening. And at the very beginning, he goes, "I'm James St. James." He has a lisp too. <laughs> he Aww. goes, "I'm James St. James, and this is my face." <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> do you listen to podcasts, yeah. Andrea? Yeah. Yeah, you're a podcaster. Yeah. Um. I'm asking because I listen to, lately because of Matt, I'm into the podcast, The Stuff You Should Know podcast, which is really cool. Um, It's just two dudes, really, as far as I understand. Um, They might kind of be comedians, but it's not a comedy podcast. They just speak on, like, a wide, wide, wide range of subjects, Um, and what they do is just do tons of just independent research that week on the topic like they pick the topic and then they research the hell out of it all week and then they do an episode on it um i've been listening to it and there's one episode on female puberty Hmm. and i was like hmm i'm interested because i love everything about sex and sexuality and i love those guys and love all the episodes but i'm like i'm super wary of this episode I don't Like the last thing You want to hear Is like two men Like mansplaining Something about women Right Yeah of course Maybe I listened to it For that reason To like pick it apart Or something like that But I gotta tell you It is so good Like they Talk about it Like they are talking To their daughters Aww about what you're gonna go through and that it's all normal like it's really positive and loving and like I am (laughs) I was all I was so ready to like shoot this episode down just (laughs) cuz for no founded reason well no the founded reason being men talking about being men yeah. yeah female issues yeah and one of them does have a daughter but it's just so thoughtful and uh, and very positive. Like, they say it's totally normal, like, a thousand times. <laughs> it's really adorable. Anyway, this is the Bedpost podcast. You have yet to do Bedpost, the yeah. stage show, right? Yeah. Uh, you, that's going to happen in a couple weeks. Yeah. Might have happened by the time this episode airs. 
but you're doing a performance piece uh-huh. without giving it away. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of clowny, isn't it? Do you have clown mm-hmm. experience? Uh, no, besides just being a real life <laughs> clown. No, I don't have any training as a clown. Uh-huh. This isn't going to be super clowny. Okay. It's going to be, like, the title of it uh-huh. is The Holy Ho. The Holy Ho. Yeah. Yeah. And it involves strawberry, strawberry Nesquik being poured all over me by the end <laughs> Spoiler of the Spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Come. And that sold me. Come for Holy Ho, but stay for the Strawberry Nesquik. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I know you have an interest in sex work. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Are you talking about that a bit? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Why do you have an interest in sex work? What appeals to you about researching it? I just think it's a really interesting thing that a woman can make money off her own body. Can commodify sex. Yeah. Yeah. I think the commodification of a woman's own sexuality is actually a big liberator. Yeah. Can I, it's, sex work is an absolutely open-ended industry. You don't need to have a lot of education. Yeah. You don't apply with a resume. Yeah. There's no interview. Yeah. You just, you could just do it. You can just fully do it. You can just do it. There's so few barriers to making potentially a fuck ton of money. Yeah. And if, you know, a woman is more independently minded and has like an entrepreneurial sense. Yeah, like a business savvy. Yeah, they can be an extremely um, lucrative job, especially when you have goals that require having a lot of cash and you want a lot of time. It's a very um, flexible job as far as time investment goes and the amount of money you make. Yeah. So it's it's, uh, the women who do it, I mean, it's also men and trans people and it's people all across the board who engage in sex work yep. amongst all classes. Yeah. For a lot of people it's an, it's extremely empowering work. Yeah. And I just find the stigma against women especially and their own sexualities. Oh yeah. So, so interesting and that there's so many sex workers. It's becoming absolutely undeniable now, especially in Toronto, like in yeah. in a highly populated city. Yeah, I mean, there's sex workers working at all hours of the day, at all Everywhere. Times. You're walking by them in the streets, you're good, You're seeing them, they're probably, you know, your own friends, your own family members, you probably know a sex worker. Yeah. Uh, but because Yet, of, they're unseen. They're unseen, it's invisible work, yeah. and you probably don't think you know a sex worker, sure. because the shame and stigma of coming out is... It's huge. It's fucking it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. You know, like, what's her name? I can't remember her name. Kind of embarrassing, but she's she was a teacher in New York, mm-hmm. um, and she like had a fellowship. She was extremely successful, and then she came out. She wrote an article about how she had um, used sex work to, to fund, fund her her education, yeah. and had like used sex work as like a, a way to get herself ahead and to get the job that she had at that moment. And she didn't yeah. think it was going to be a big deal, but she ended up getting fired, and she hasn't been able to get work since in that field which is interesting because we're so quick to label all sex workers as victims and yet if a woman wants to come out and say I'm a sex worker and actually I'm not a victim I'm not a victim and I really like my work and it empowers me uh suddenly all these barriers come up to pursuing any other kinds of work should she decide that she doesn't want to do that kind of work anymore yeah and then she's forced to return to sex work when yeah. she doesn't want to do it. And then she actually becomes a victim of it 
But it's not the sex work she's a victim. No, it's, it's through the society. Like it's it's uh it's systematic. Yeah. Um, a lot of things are. I'm being reminded of a lot of things. I did some research on Bill C thirty six because I knew we might probably would talk about sex work. Um, and yeah, how they are the concept that they're unseen and not represented anywhere. When Harper criminalized sex work, basically with Bill 36, that's what it is. It's yeah. criminalizing sex work. To, you know, decide that they actually didn't have any representation of actual sex workers speak or uh, give testimony on behalf of their <clears throat> career. Yeah. The bill is about like vulnerable, it's like a vulnerable persons act. Right. So they had people talk that were like, there are a bunch of things that are included in this bill that have nothing to do with sex work. Like kidnapping yeah. is one of them. So they had people give testimony that had been kidnapped and raped. And those are people that were represented in this bill, even though it's mostly about sex workers. And the conclusion that they came to is that anytime money changes hands in exchange for sexual services that there can be no consent. It's that, so fucking backwards. Yeah. It's so fucking sexist. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. I'm sorry, you don't have control <clears throat> over your sexuality. You're stupid. You think that you can just like make money off your own body? Are you fucking kidding me? No, you can't do that. Like yeah. it's it's so irrational to me. It is completely. And yeah. we're we are still as a culture like trapped in these moralistic views of sex mm-hmm. and women mm-hmm. and women's agency over their own bodies. bodies yeah. We're we're in the throes of that. Like we you know, it it can take a long time to accept that a, a sex worker actually really likes what she likes does. their job. Yeah. It's difficult because we don't have those stories. We don't yeah. have people coming up and... Uh, we don't have examples. We don't have... Yeah, it's... Representatives. It's, it's starting to to flow now, like... With Trudeau, right? Because the liberals have promised to repeal, or at the very least, reform this bill. Yeah. They've promised They've made to... the promise. And I think that there is promise in, in the future. Yeah. Especially, you know, now I feel like we've all been liberated from Harper and, like... Yeah. You know, like, I, I love the, like, Sluts Against Harbor campaign. Did you hear no, about that? No, tell me all about it. Uh, that was a little project out of Montreal to get... Basically, they were trading nude selfies for people who voted against Harper. Uh-huh. So that was a way for them to, like, <laughs> make incentive for people to yeah. not vote for Harper. Yeah. And so I contributed a selfie. Oh, yeah, Awesome. Uh, like a little nude selfie and they yeah. posted it on their on their Instagram yeah and uh, like I ended up getting like, a lot of attention for that heat or oh, good heat. attention no no nobody like I, I mean I got a lot of guys who were like here's hey, my dick yeah. and uh, unsolicited but that's kind of how Instagram works when you're a female yeah um, <laughs> yeah whether but, you're posting nude selfies or not <laughs> yeah exactly no you don't you just need to be posting pictures of yourself and you sure. will elicit that sort of attention. Sure. But, um... Yeah, so so the woman, apparently, that's making it happen is Justice Minister, uh, the Aboriginal woman who Trudeau's appointed, Jody Wilson-Raybould. Yeah. And her quote is something along the lines of, she wants to proceed with sex work in a way that's open and engages people. Yeah. Which is great because I take that to mean as engages actually engages sex workers, which is in the decision. Shocking, right? Like it's like, are we going to actually treat whores like people? 
are we going to really humanize the women that we treat as being at the bottom of our society? Is this actually going to happen? Yeah. What an incredible thing if, if, if sex worker opinions are actually valued into by the justice system. It would be huge. Yeah, and, huge. and speaking of bottom of the society, you're saying... I've heard from you that there's a huge hierarchy oh, yeah. there. Like, and, and the only people that really are visible are yeah. that v- lower tier, just trying to make ends meet, sex workers. But yeah. there's like a whole spectrum of, of how much money they're making and the type of work they do oh, yeah. and even a social, I assume, a social hierarchy within the community. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. Yeah. Like among different kinds of sex work. So like... Uh, some strippers don't consider what they do to be sex, sex work. work. And then w- even within a strip club, the, the dancers who will provide extras mm-hmm. for yeah. money. Sure. And sometimes, even in that ecosystem, that's considered like, oh, I don't do that. I don't do extras. I'm better than that. You know, like there's, there's like a hierarchy there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as like the hierarchy goes for all sex work in our culture, and yes, like the visible people are the most vulnerable they're mm. the most they're the stereotype yeah that, yeah that's what i mean yeah, they, that's they're the, the they're the mascots for all prostitutes yeah and but they only represent like the small a they small represent, percentage of there's sex a workers. there's a stat there's a canadian stat that um it's estimated that the women who work on the streets mm-hmm. represent at most 20% of all sex workers. But that's all people think when they think sex workers. That means 80% of sex workers are invisible. Mm-hmm. They're they have no representation. They're mm-hmm. just all painted with the same brush based on the min- minority of sex workers. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's really really interesting mm-hmm. that you have this subsection of a population that's that 80% of them you don't know what they look like. You don't know their stories. Mm-hmm. You don't know their lives. Well, that works with, you could say the same thing with racism. Yeah. You know, you know, stuff like that, where they're looking at a very particular low percentage group of, you know, extremists or whatever. Right, exactly. And, and painting the entire race or religion or what have you with the exact same brush. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's it's uh, it's totally bigoted, but it's, it's one of those things that, like, isn't even remotely questioned. We yeah. like when you look at the news. If there's ever like a story about C thirty six, they always use the same clips. It's always a woman in thigh high boots, <laughs> fishnets, a short skirt on the, on the corner with a purse hanging off her elbow, leaning into a car. Mm-hmm. That's literally all anyone thinks of, and so. Immediately, the associations with that kind of woman working on the street is, well, she definitely has a pimp. Mm-hmm. And so even, like, very well-meaning people are going to look at those images and be like, well, how can I say that sex work is okay if that woman has a pimp and she has no control over life and is probably addicted to drugs? Like, obviously, she's in an oppressive situation, and I, I feel for her, and I don't want her to be mm-hmm. hurt. And, like, if a woman like that has any illusions of empowerment then she must be kind of messed up in the head. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, like, the majority of people come from because those are literally the only images that they... Only, like, associations that they have with sex Sex work. work. And that absolutely needs to change. And that's why I'm I'm so passionate about telling these horror stories because we need more stories. We need more, like, lines of contact. We need more people to see that, that we're dealing with, like, 
fully realized human beings that mm-hmm. are doing what they want to do and they should be respected as people, not victims. Yeah. Speaking of stories, we talked uh, pre-recording very briefly about Maggie's, which is the Toronto Sex Workers Action Project uh, here in Toronto, which is a huge resource for sex workers. Totally. And you said you hung out there to check it out a little bit because they have a social time, from what I understand, every Wednesday yeah. in the afternoon. They 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 do a lot of things. Uh, they do like services concerning sexual health, workplace safety, legal counseling. Uh, they do free, completely free workshops, like sex work wisdom and like best practices and legal uh, workshops. They're registered charity, so you can donate to them. They've got like a no list. Only it's confidential, so it's only accessible by sex workers. Yeah. But like bad Which, bad dates. Yeah, bad date list and it's stuff like this. Essential. But, but you're saying that when you went there, you heard for that social hour. Mm-hmm. Hearing tons of stories, yeah, that were pretty jarring, yeah, and yeah, shocking. Mm-hmm. You know, with people that you know are uh, maybe like a rung above homeless, like they're just they're just barely, barely holding on, and this is the work that they do, and this is how they make money, and uh, yeah, it was very eye opening. It was, um, and to be clear, Maggie's is run by sex workers for sex workers. Yeah, yeah. It's or not, former it, sex workers, but certainly people who have experience either directly or indirectly with the business, who are all very um, and there's no cool, non-judgmental. Yeah, people. I was gonna say there's no like sex negatives. Oh, in, fuck no. Uh, no agenda great. to to this organization, and those agendas are so toxic. Yeah, like you know, having an outreach center where. Really, the agenda is, is to get to, them to con- like convince them to not be be like not be sex workers. Like yeah. that's that's very toxic. That's not supportive, um, and that's also another problem with the system is that there's these exit programs, mm-hmm. and but, that's it. That's all. But like they're not. They don't take in the individual, right? They don't take in the the challenges that women have or men as far as getting real work goes and like I was saying before like with you you know sex work is this completely open industry where it doesn't matter your race it doesn't matter your class it doesn't matter your education it doesn't matter your background you can do it you can do it and you can make a lot of money potentially potentially if you have an entrepreneurial spirit if you uh, yeah, if you're business savvy, if yeah. you're a go-getter, if you're... You can, there you are can really men out there who will pay money to fuck you. Yeah. No matter where you go. If that's what you want to do, if that's if you are in a position and you, you know, don't want to work a nine-to-five or you don't want to work, like, any, like, a conventional job or, I mean, a lot of, like, mothers, like young mothers... Yeah, yeah, will sure. ...pursue sex work because... It's very flexible. flexible. It's flexible hours. You and can, allows them to be, a, you know, be there for their kid, be a great mom, make money. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense for... Totally feasible. It's totally, like, it's very, to me, very reasonable work for someone who values their, their the time, freedom of their time. Freedom, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and wants money. I'm not saying that it's like a perfect job. It's not for everyone. But no, but no job is perfect. Exactly. Like every job has its horror stories. Yeah. I manage a restaurant. I could tell you some shit. Yeah. You know. It's about finding what works for you, and I think there are a lot. Like, there's more stories of women in university paying for their schooling 
yeah. through sex work. Yeah. This is becoming like, and I to me, it feels like a rumbling. It feels like there's a legion of whores mm-hmm. right under the surface that haven't come out yet. But I think once once the geyser goes, it's going to be fucking huge. It's awesome. going to be like, listen, we know men. We know the men who are giving us money. These mm-hmm. are like, on the whole, middle class, upper middle class, white dudes. Yeah. They are your husbands. Yeah. And we need to have a conversation about... Personally, I think we need to have a conversation about the institution of marriage. Because I think the conversation about the whore, Mm -hmm. the other side of the coin, is marriage. It's the wife. It's the husband. Mm -hmm. Because it's like the vast majority of men who go see prostitutes are married. married. Yeah. And there's something in that that we really, really need to examine. Yeah. On that note... Let's take a break, okay. a quick break, and then we'll be right back with Ms. Andrea Warehun. <laughs> hey guys, once upon a time, Carmine Lucarelli, one of the owners of the Social Capital Theater, approached me about starting up an erotica-based show, and look what it's become. Bedpost is approaching its one-year anniversary, and the Bedpost podcast is already over a thousand downloads. A huge thank you from Bedpost to the Social Capital Theater, the venue that showcases comedy shows, variety shows, readings, meetup groups, music, and more. For more information about the Social Capital Theater, including rentals, classes, scheduling, and partying, visit SoCap.ca or Facebook.com slash The SoCap. All right, we are back here with Andrea Warehouse. Uh, I was saying to Andrea on the break that usually uh, we we seem to have flip flopped the halves of the podcast. Usually, we kind of talk about light stuff off the top and then getting the meat in the second half. We went meat first. We went meat first. <laughs> we went meat first. So now I want to talk about, uh, so how I know you, how I met you, was we both were writing for a magazine <laughs> together <laughs> called, called Mr. Happy Magazine. That's right. It was mainly a comedy magazine. I did not write comedy, though. No. <laughs> you wrote erotica I, for I, it. I wrote erotica for it. <laughs> Which is funny. Which is funny. Yes. Yes. And, like, I loved... Uh, one of Matt's friends who remained nameless, he kept, he read it for the first time, like my uh, passage, and he kept, he's like, I kept waiting for it to get funny, and he's like, <laughs> but I, but I was just getting aroused. That's really, really Which funny. is so funny. <laughs> I think I probably did exactly the same thing. Yeah. What types of things did you write? You wrote kind of comedic, interesting... I wrote really weird shit. Yeah, you wrote some weird shit. Yeah, like I wrote a poem about Jesus. Like, I, that was... <laughs> it was kind of a serious poem. <laughs> <laughs> but then you needed something for Easter. It was like this, the, the Easter issue. Oh, yeah, yeah, issue. right. Yeah. And then the other way I know you is there was a nude painting of you. The same same publisher. Yeah, same publisher and artist of this painting. A nude painting of you hanging in my cafe that I owned yeah. for... It wasn't there long. No. It was sold, like, pretty fast. What can I say? 
And it was beautiful, like just gorgeous, and actually based on a photo he had taken of We're you. talking about Paul Ayoshi. We're talking, like, let's, yeah. Let's, let's just name yeah, the yeah. Why, why are we trying to be vague about Paul it? Paul Ayoshi came to my house and took naked pictures of me in my bedroom, <laughs> and it got... Beautiful pictures. Yeah, he took such nice pictures, and they got like really fucking silly by the end of Oh, it. yeah. I put on these like giant, uh, <laughs> like a fucking eight inch heels, Heel. like boots, Latex boots, just those, and then we took all these fucking weird shots. Like it got so ridiculous. Like one with an umbrella, like like one. uh, He photoshopped it so it looks like I'm peeing like on the wall. Like I. Oh yeah, that's very Paul Ayoshi. He's got a very quirky sense of humor. It's perfect. If you haven't met him, Um, that's so funny to hear because the only shots I saw were the ones he was contemplating for the painting, which was this regal, beautiful painting. So I just seen the two uh, shots that that were like very beautiful. Yeah. So that's so funny. It had to go there though with Paul being the photographer, right? Yeah. But he was, you know, and he's done a lot of work, creative work with like naked ladies now yes. at this point. Yeah. Because he's been doing all the painting stuff. Yeah. And, and you know what? I want him, I want to get him on the podcast. Um, and one of the main things I want to ask him is about his art. Yeah. Because, yeah, he kind of has an interesting separation there and working with a lot of a lot of nude ladies. Yeah, I got, got the nude ladies. Yeah. And yeah. He, it's easy for him. Like, they're just like, yeah. can I take my clothes off for you yeah, to make totally. art with my body? And totally. He's like, I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So he yeah. made art with my body. He painted this beautiful picture uh, that got sold very quickly. Like, what was so awesome about it was the vivid colors like you have like that or I don't know if you you're not living there still are you no No. Uh, it was like this vivid teal Mm -hmm. on the walls that worked just and you had like some sort of little bit of floral print on you like the underwear or something Uh, no it was the uh, oh the the bedspread yeah the bedspread just like a vivid floral patterns and with your like dark mane of hair like oh the colors of that were just and you used like a technique that was very it, it wasn't a super detailed, like, it had texture on it. It, it was so, it was so beautiful. Like, broad strokes of, like, textured paint. Oh, I don't want to talk about, painting. It's, it's so weird to talk about paintings because, like, we know it got sold. We don't know to who. Yeah, we right. don't know any of their information. Yeah. It's just somewhere. And it, there's only one. There's pictures yeah. of the painting. Yeah. I have pictures of it. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's really strange, and I've heard painters talk about this. Like, you make one, yeah. and it's your baby, and, and then you, you give it away, and that's, that is strange. And he, it was, it, I think it must be kind of weird for him, because he had it for such little Short time. Short time, literally, like, it was barely cured, and someone bought it. Yeah. And I believe somebody bought it, like, on my last day of business or something. Wow. Like. Yeah, I remember that time. Yeah. And I think I even paid, she only had, like. It was well-priced. It wasn't... She didn't pay $20 for it. But yeah. I, I paid the tax on it, I think, because she only had oh. so much on her oh. that she brought. So I think... I was like, you know what? I want someone to have this beautiful painting. Like, I will happily... <laughs> oh, no, why? Because she had to pay with debit. So oh. then I had to have it as a sale. Oh. If it was cash, then obviously I would have just not put tax on it clearly, but is because she needed to have it be processed through the restaurant that I had to put tax on it because I'm going to be taxed on it basically. But I was like, you know what? 
<laughs> it's on me. Yeah. Because just I just want it. this beautiful painting to sell. Yeah. 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 But you, you've modeled a bit. Because I've seen some beautiful shots of you on the farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the modeling that I've done has pretty much been for friends. Oh, okay. Who yeah. are photographers. photographers. Or there was that, that interview I did with Toronto Verve. And so he came he came to the farm to interview me because I was in a, a short film that um, played at the Toronto After Dark Festival. Cool. Which, uh, I may add, one... Uh, People's Choice. Ooh. So what can I say? Was that Satan's That was Satan's dolls? dolls. Okay. You had, did you have your bare ass in that? I did. <laughs> uh, no, I was, I made out with the priest and the nun. <laughs> and I was naked by the end. I was in a leotard and like thigh high stockings for most of the film. Like, <laughs> I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And I, it's like, it's such a great great little film but that's another example those are friends that are making things right so like when it comes to my uh scare quotes acting career yeah like it's (laughs) not something i've ever pursued oh really it's been handed to me it's been yeah and and along with the modeling thing like i i don't seek out these opportunities but when they're presented to me I consider my options and i'm like fuck yeah i don't give a shit let's do it yeah let's make some shit yeah but i like i I'm at a crossroads in my life uh, on a personal note and professionally because uh-huh. I have to reconcile the fact that these are things that I like can I really call myself an actress if I've never like pursued it as a career in a right. very realistic way I, got you, I got love you. performing yeah that's yeah. my jam and I yeah. love writing and performing my own work yeah fucking awesome uh, but uh, and I've always seen that for myself in the future, but I haven't taken the steps to like really, really fucking push that. Yeah. And now I have a full time job. Yeah. Where yeah, you're back in the city. I'm back in the city from the farm. From the farm and from working up north as a science tutor. Wow. <laughs> I was working on a Cree reservation in northern Quebec. Oh wow. As a science tutor, I did two contracts for that. So. My first contract was three months, and I did that earlier in 2015. And then I just finished a six-week contract for uh, January rewrites. Very cool. So, yeah, I was helping grade 10 students pass their science exam, and it was (laughs) so fucking awesome. It was such a great, great, great gig. But I have, you know, I have sort of varied job experience. (laughs) Yeah, because prior to that, you actually were working, like, hands in the dirt working on the farm. Yeah. For how long? I did that for two six-month stints yeah. in the summer. So yeah. I, I just did my last one, yeah, yeah, last summer. And, I mean, that's not something I ever saw for myself yeah. prior to falling in love with a farmer. Right. Um, <laughs> but then I just, you know, considering that, like, half the year we're long distance, you know, we're getting into our second year of a relationship, and I'm thinking, you know what? What the hell do I have to lose? I'm going to go farm with him, see what it's like. Cool. So speaking of falling in love. Uh-huh. Oh. Let's go. What do your relationships typically look like? Oh. Do you follow a pattern? Do you not at all? Do you? No, I, I think I, I guess I follow a pattern. I, I'm a long-term relationship person. Yeah, you're a long-term girl. Yeah, like I went from, like a... Serial monogamist? No, I wouldn't no? say that. But I, from when I was 18, I had a relationship that lasted four years. Yeah. At the two-year mark of that relationship, 
we broke up because I cheated on him. Okay. And I realized, like, dude, I want to fuck other people. And then he was like, but I still want to be with you. And I was like, well. We can make this work. We can make this work if you're, if you're game <laughs> if for you're it. If you're game. If you want to keep fucking me. And i like, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. but just accept that I'm going to fuck other people. And you can fuck other people, too. And he's yeah. like, I will. Okay, let's do, let's it. do it. Wow. So for two years, I was in an open relationship. And okay. I was having the time of my life. Yeah. All those dicks. Yep. Oh, so. Yet having your core relationship having still. Having my core relationship. Yeah. However, uh, it was great for me, mm-hmm. not great for him. Yeah. Because he was not communicating how he felt about the situation. Sure. And that's going to deteriorate. You can't have a relationship like that with no communication. No, without saying anything and then have a big blow up two years later yeah. and uh, say, like, yeah, resentment's just going to build. <sighs> yeah. It was, and it's one of those things where, you know, maybe I should have been more attentive. However, it's not my responsibility to, like, be constantly mining him for how yeah, he's and feeling to about draw something. His, if he's telling draw me he's out fine, I'm just gonna like. I was not in a place where I was going to like actively investigate. You know how he was really feeling, like a I, passive aggressive. Fine, yeah. yeah you're like, like, okay, fine, <laughs> great. I'm gonna go fuck this other guy now. See you later. Like, yeah. Also, that's young though. To so I was 20 when the the open 20. relationship. Yeah, I still feel like that's pretty young for. I don't know, maybe just how I grew up, to even be aware of those types of relationships. Yeah. That's pretty young. So that's pretty good. I, yeah, I had a... To be able to kind of balance all that as a super young adult. Because it is, they are difficult. And they are very... Those types of relationships can be very rewarding. Yeah. But they do take a lot of maturity and a lot of... Yeah, a lot of qualities that might come later in life, like super open communication. Yeah. And divulging of feelings and inner thoughts so yeah, yeah that type of relationship at that age yeah would be yeah. difficult right? yeah and it's it's all i'm not gonna say it's always harder for the guys but as far as getting laid goes oh yeah you know oh yeah 100 gonna be a challenge for the dude 100 percent for me not that difficult at all yeah and so you know that's it takes a secure man to be able to you know relinquish his sense of Ownership and property over right. his girlfriend, because really, that's this is that's what it comes down what it's to. About. Is no, yeah. you're mine. You belong to me. I have sex with that pussy. No, mm-hmm. not I don't let other guys in that pussy. My pussy. Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's very much an ownership thing. Yeah, and it's a territory thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be sniffing other dicks in that pussy. Right. Just my pussy. That's my pussy. Okay, so what what happened? Mm-hmm. The narrative there is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had this two-year open relationship, and then he did finally have sex with someone else. Oh, okay. And this is when we were kind of falling apart as far as our relationship was going. And then that hit me really hard. You know, obviously. That he slept yes, with someone else. he finally did it. Right. It was with our roommate, which oh, made uh, things a little complicated. Sure. Um, and I was basically in mental hell. I was in complete anguish mode. Before was, that? No, like when uh-huh. it happened, it was a very dark time. Okay. Gotcha. But then, then I met my current boyfriend right at that time, oh, okay. and it was like being lifted, like out of the darkness. Like I was like, I could breathe again, and yeah. I understood love, and I was, I, I suddenly was just so in love, and I went to him and to her, and I was like, you guys, like, 
I don't care. You're in love. Do it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that I've been so negative. Like, I get it. I get it now. I finally get it. Mm -hmm. It's love. And you do whatever you want to do. I'm in love, too, now. I get it now. Right. I get it. It was very, like, big. So then... It dropped in. When... So my current boyfriend... Mm -hmm. uh, He was aware that I was in an open relationship. And Mm -hmm. he was okay with that. Mm -hmm. But then he got to a point pretty, you know, early still in the relationship where he was like, I don't... I don't want you to be in an open relationship. I want you to just be with me. Okay. How did you feel about that? I felt... uh, I I mean, it was pressure. And at first I was like, no, no, no. This is me. This is my life. I am a polyamorous person. Mm -hmm. I can't just be locked down in one dick. That's not me. And then when I considered that it meant losing him as a partner, I decided that it was in my best interest to clamp down and just be with one dick. Relationships are all... Not all about, but can be about compromise and like paying the price of admission to be with your current boyfriend exactly you know it's worth it yeah to you know the positives outweigh the negatives of being monogamous yeah you know yeah and so i have been monogamous Mm -hmm. for the last four years yeah right uh Give or take some uh, slip-ups. Right. Because, I, you know, I equate sex with fun, and sometimes, like, the fun is just so hard to deny, and I kind of have, like, <laughs> I have a, uh, some would call it a fetish, but, like, uh, it's sort of a thing where, like, I just love fucking people I'll never see again, and I yeah. don't want any other information. I just want, like... A night pop. of fun? I want a night of fun. Pop and... in, pop out, see you later. Actually, never. See you never. I never want to see you again. <laughs> see you later. Actually, no. That's, no. I will not yeah. see you later. You're not communicating after goodbye. this. Goodbye. I just wanted to fuck your penis. That's it. And goodbye. Yeah, and goodbye. <laughs> yeah. So, is there room in your relationship to maybe incorporate that? Yeah, I mean... It, is there a bit of room? It's Right now, it's called cheating, and I'm not allowed to do it. Okay. <laughs> Have I done it? But... <laughs> It's another story. I try actively to not. <laughs> sure. I, I do I do very much love my boyfriend and our relationship and I think he's just the greatest thing. Yeah. So I don't Oh yeah, I sense that. Yeah. yeah I don't wanna f I don't wanna but fuck is, with him. Is that a conversation you can have yeah, in like, the future? We or? we both wanna fuck other people, but our pact is we will fuck other people together. Right. So yeah. we're currently like accepting applications for people right. to fuck us. Yes, right, 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 right. And that's yeah. part of like you know, I'm back in the city now. I'm getting more grounded. Now I can start recruiting. Right. Yeah. Recruiting. Because it takes... it. It's difficult yeah. to recruit a third. Yeah. I, not not difficult, but it can be a length... It can be a long con. Yeah. <laughs> not that we're trying to manipulate people to sleep with us, but... Right. Exactly. It can be like, you know... <laughs> yeah. It's a tough sell. It's it can a, be a tough can, sell. Yeah. And I've never... I've never had to negotiate that before, so, like, I don't know how to approach it. I don't know what the conversation is. Yeah. Like, but I have, you know, and we're, I, I don't know. I'm interested in both men and women. Right. And, like, I've had experiences where I'm I'm hooking up with a girl because I'm in one of those relationships <laughs> where I can... I'm sleep not with women? To, I can sleep with women. 
Yeah, see. See, I don't, yeah. No, I know, I know. I the know. one dick policy in relationships. It, it puts an unfair uh, importance on, on, the on heteronormative sex and for me. I know on the surface it looks like, oh, well, it's so sexist. Like, he doesn't think that, you know, female sex is, like, it really counts, right? Right. Look, I'm not arguing. Yeah, I have yeah. This I'm gonna take tip. what I can I, get. That's everything. I can fuck pussy. Give Great. it to me. Let's go. <laughs> like, cause we're in currently a long distance relationship again. Because, right. Right. Well, he had gone up north with me for my my tutoring job, which was really cool. nice. Because I'd gone and worked with him for two years on on the farm, and so then we compromised. Yeah. Like you were saying, very important. <laughs> and he came and did a contract, a six week contract with me up north. Up there. So. Then, like, this was very, like, easy to, like, discuss, but he didn't want to live in Toronto, and I don't want to live in Kitchener. Plain and simple. Yeah. So, we're living apart. Right. And he's not, he's not working on the farm, like, he's not living on the farm, he's mm -hmm. working on another farm, an affiliated farm, um, <laughs> now, full time, and, and, um, yeah, he, we just don't want to live in the same city, and yeah. we may just very well be one of those couples that just excels at long distance, long distance yeah. and having our own space, and I, I think we're we're like that. Like we've lived together before yeah. many times now in the last four years, but off and on. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just nice to have your own space, yeah, and have your own life, and yeah. then be able to like see each other and, and go just, crazy over each other yeah, when you do see exactly. each other. Be so in love and like have that constant communication. Granted, like he's he's desperately horny like he's yeah. like jerking bra every night and like <laughs> there's not much I can do about that right other I, than entertain the conversation once again yeah of, like uh, of uh, something uh, open uh, or which like which again will probably be one sided because he's out on a fucking farm somewhere well you know he's and living in Kitchener in he's vest. like Kitchener, you know, there is there is some pussy a plethora around. of available pussies to have sex with. And, like, he's meeting more people who are kind of in the polyamorous community. Cool, okay. And so he's, well, there. that's where he's like, look, we need to start fucking other people together. But we need to just sort of, like, expand our Adapt repertoire. this, yeah. yeah. Especially if it's going long distance, yeah. yeah. Then some wiggle room, some... Yeah, needs to open up a bit, probably. Mm -hmm. I would think. I've never been in a in a solid like long distance relationship, but I feel like sometimes Matt and I talk about like you know if he happens to get a cruise where he's performing on a cruise for mm. six months or something like that. I feel like our relationship would adapt pretty quickly. Like we're monogamish as ah. as is already, so I feel like it, it would uh, <laughs> we'd we'd work it out pretty quickly. What needs to happen? Yeah. What <laughs> How do we adapt, right? Yeah. It's all about adapting. Yeah. Adapting and compromising. It's, yeah. Well, on that note, Andrea, we should be wrapping her up. What? Modern whore. Modern whore. <laughs> I'm working on a project called Modern Whore. I'd like to plug on your show. What are you listening <laughs> trying to be subtle you didn't catch it let's get right to the fucking point here okay modern horror yeah comic book you're no no incorrect it's different, it's different. It's it's... i've adapted to the situation and i and have seen that it's not as practical to do a comic book it takes that's a lot of labor yeah i am collaborating with a fantastic 
boss bitch of a lady named Nicole Bazoin. Yeah. And she is an illustrator, but she's a director first and foremost and an excellent photographer. Yeah. We are working together on a project called Modern Horror. It's, it's going to be a book. Okay. Of my stories and her pictures. And I'm going to be in all the pictures. And we're going to basically be acting out stories in these pictures. Cool. So we're now, I mean, nothing set in stone. We're pitching. We're pitching the, the idea yeah. to the publishing houses. We're trying cool. to get that shit done. Yeah. Because I think the first time I talked to you about Modern Horror, it was potentially going to be a collaborative yeah. type of magazine, more like a monthly or something like that, or a seasonally. Yeah. It's had so, so many incarnations. incarnations. Yeah. And then last I heard it was a comic book. So now it's kind of like, Fictitious stories? Yeah. Uh, some are fictional. Some are, like, observation pieces. Yeah. Like, I mean, they do... I think they all fit into the short story genre. I won't say too much, but it certainly has a lot to do with sex work. It includes, like, stories I've written. I have one called Our Girl Violet, mm-hmm. which is... It's an expansive world I've built in heaven. Uh-huh. And the story uh, is centered on a brothel. In heaven called paradise wow and so the cool. father god that everyone on earth worships is really just like a huge coke snorting pimp daddy <laughs> in heaven sitting in paradise watching his uh, half daughters his half breeds get fucked because wow. god is into raping women i think you know, <laughs> we're in christianity is sort of predicated on the fact that you know the virgin mary was visited in the night by yeah. an angel is like look you've got you know, the semen of God himself in you, and you are given birth. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus I Christ. love that idea. Yeah, How to get just there? Rape. How to get there? Fucking God rape. <laughs> God and you look at like Zeus, the stories of Zeus, he's just fucking, his entire reputation is built on raping earth women. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. oh, well, this this woman really likes that bull, so I'm gonna go down to, or down out, down to earth and. Dr- like transform myself into a bull and rape this chick. That's that's a real story. That's real shit. Yeah. That's a story that the Greeks, the ancient Greeks were like, yeah, that's the god I worship. Fucking wow. Zeus raping all the women. Full out rape. <laughs> and that's like the basis of our society. Yeah, right? Like and so these are the things that I'm I'm looking at like Very cool. Man, the you, fantastical. When you get it together, <laughs> give me a call. Oh, I will. And let's let's present this at bedpost. Mm-hmm. Good. Love, love, love for you to do reading. Ah, oh, down. 100%. Everything. Awesome. There. Okay. Andrea <laughs> Tell our audience where... Do you have an online presence? I feel like you have not wanted to have an online presence. Did I hear that from somewhere? You're uh, yeah, a bit I, of a Luddite? I, I, mm, Luddite. It's a choice. Yeah, to yeah not like be, a conscious choice to not. Yeah, I don't have Facebook. I've been hard on the Instagram over the last couple months, like cool. since the summer. Do you have a handle there? Yeah, it's a wiener woman. W-E-E-N-E-R. Woman. Wiener woman. Uh And you have a website, personal website, for all your kind of acting pursuits. AndreaWareHun.com. AndreaWareHun.com. I am Erin Pym. Uh, To find out more about this Bedpost stage show, because I do have an online presence, uh, please go to Facebook.com slash Bedpost Erotica. I also have a personal blog with over 100 erotic short stories. That's at Erin'sErotica.com. And lastly, the Bedpost podcast features original music by Stephanie Copeland, who can be reached at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com. Thanks, Andrea. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure.
What up, what up, listeners? I'm Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians, and host of Rice Asian Movies Podcast, proud to be the newest member of the Sonar Network. Each Tuesday on the podcast, we review Asian-led films through the lens of representation, and we debate a cultural topic plucked from the movie's themes. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts by searching for Rice Asian Movies Podcast. This week's episode, we explore representation in Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, of course in honor of the 420 holiday, and debate weed consumption within the Asian community.